Hello and welcome to the Felsafe Fitness Golf Show, episode number seven. My name is Michael Joshua. I am the owner and director of Felsafe Fitness Limited. Welcome to the show. It's been a very fun week. Um, if you were a duck, that is, uh, as a greenkeeper and a golf coach, it's been a abysmal here on Mud Island in the UK. It's done nothing but rain. We had a couple of days of sunshine on Thursday and Friday. I managed to get a couple of coaching sessions in. Um, but yeah, the weather has been awful. Uh, the golf club that I personally teach at uh, is still going to be shut for at least another couple of weeks, if not a month or so. It's going to be, it's getting a little infuriating. This weather needs to just bugger off now. Um, I think everybody with the turn of, you know, the waste management, I think for a lot of people, especially Europe-wise, goes, okay, waste management's here, which means let's go and play some golf. They've seen some good golf. They've seen some idiots too. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, but, you know, waste management lives on the TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's some, some tournament, big tournaments coming up, and the Masters is only, what, six? eight weeks away, something like that. It's, it's crazy. This is the time where getting people on course, getting you ready for a full season through the summer is great, but I can't do that at the minute in terms of playing. I've only played one round since November. <laughs> one round of golf since November. So, yeah, my game's going to be atrocious too when I come back. I might need some lessons from me. Um but anyway, that's enough of my sorry life. Welcome to the show. It's a, a sunny Sunday afternoon or early morning since I'm recording this. Um, did a little bit of social media earlier in the week. I've been back in training as well. So I'm back in the gym twice a week, just 30, 30 to 40 minute sessions. Uh, just trying to build a little bit of confidence and strength my knee has been playing up so I did the rest route for two to three weeks uh, now I'm gonna go have to push really hard over the next four to six possibly eight weeks to get me where I need to be but yeah I'm having some problems with my knee um, my left knee which is obviously as I drive through the golf ball um, it's causing me a couple of issues, so I may have to get that fully checked out at some point. But there are some things I want to do personally in terms of strength and conditioning, uh, a little bit of weight loss, nutrition, weight management on myself um, before I, I go and seek any more external help. Um, but talking of that, if you are interested in any personal training, Nutrition and weight management or golf performance lessons. It is still February. It's still three, four, two. This deal goes down in, well, as a time of recording, it'll be 10 days. By the time it comes out, it'll be nine days. So it'll be just over a week to book your three for twos and it will be gone for at least a couple of three months. There'll be no three for twos at all moving forward from the end of February. So from the 1st of March, three for two is going to be out the window. You will have missed your opportunity to come on board the Failsafe Fitness Revolution. 
uh, where you're chipping and putting will never be better. Your off the tee management will never be better. And your personal fitness and nutrition and weight management will never be better under my guidance. So please get in touch. Links are in the description. You know, felsafefitness.weebly.com. You've got the Felsafe Fitness Limited um, Square sites to book from as well. You can book via Instagram. You can even contact me by phone or email, all of which are down below. Get in touch and we will sort out your game, your fitness and your health and nutrition as well. <clears throat> Let's crack into it then, shall we? That's how depressing my week is. Selfless plug is over. Where are the big boys this week? Well, PGA Tour are in Mexico. Um, they're playing in Mexico for an $8.1 million purse. We can see why people want to be on the PGA Tour. We'll talk about this in a minute as well. DP World Tour, they're at the Kenya Open with a $1.7 million per, $1.7 million pound purse up for grabs. So, you know, European Tour, now DP World Tour, $1.7 million, about $2 million. PGA Tour, $8 million. Where, where would you want to be if you were a golfer? Um, LPGA Tour, on the other hand, they are in Thailand for the Honda LPGA Thailand event um, at the Slam Country Club, and there's $1.7 million up for grabs. So it's almost the same amount of money for being on the LPGA Tour as it is for being on the European Tour. And we wonder why the head of the European Tour is quitting at the end of the year because they can't compete even with the, with the LPGA Tour for prize money. Uh, Ladies European Tour also comes back as well. So they're in Morocco and they are playing for a $450,000 pound uh, purse, um, which again, we can see LPGA, PGA Tour, there's close to $10 million up for grabs. But European Tour and Ladies European Tour, there's less than $2.5 million. So you can understand why a lot of people want to go to America to make their money. And you can understand in some respects as to why some of the uh, smaller guys, especially the amateur that joined John Rahm's team at Live, went that direction. They're set up for life. They're guaranteed 100 grand a week. That's $1.4 a year. Some players, especially if you're a European or DP World Tour, won't earn that kind of money. They won't earn half of that all season playing 30 events, let alone playing potentially just 13 on the um, live tours. So, yeah, we, I can kind of sympathize why people are doing it. That's where everybody is this week. There's obviously no live this week. Again, they're out in Saudi from the 1st of March. <coughs> So that's uh, that's where all the golf is going to be happening this week. Before we get into the news stories that caught my eye uh, over the past week or weekend, uh, let's talk about fitness and mobility. Um, I've had a couple of uh, players over the last week or so come to me and they're, they're saying their shoulders are a little sore. I'm like, well, have you played in the 
they're both in the same boat. One's, one's young, though, early 20s, young, fit lad. Um, into, I say fit, he's young. Not necessarily fit, but young. Um, and then I've got someone in their 50s who has both players are in the same boat and the same as me. They haven't swung a golf club for probably close to two months. So December and January, they haven't swung a golf club at all, not a single once. The clubs have been sat in the garage, sat in the car, sat wherever. They've done a little bit of putting in the house, but they haven't fully swung a golf club. And they've turned up and they've gone the shoulders a little bit sore after, you know, a dozen or so shots. So this is a tip to bulletproof your shoulders, not just for golf, but for life. So if you've got access to this, great. If not, go and go and buy yourself one of these. So little fractional plates, um, sort of, you know, quarter kilo, half a kilo, a kilo at most, maybe, uh, you know, little fractional plates. You can buy these quite cheap on eBay, Amazon. So any go all the way up to about, I tend to go half a, I've got a quarter kilo, half a kilo, a kilo, a 1.25 kilo plate. So I've been doing this with my golfers over the last week and it's a nice challenge. So one and a half kilo plate, one in each hand. You can do this with a dumbbell as well. So take a, you know, a, a, a one to two kilo dumbbell, two, three kilo maximum, because this is going to be a struggle. So one to two kilo dumbbell and a one to two kilo fractional plate, one in each hand. What I want you to do is this. I want you to do a front raise. So you're going to hold the dumbbells in front of your belly button and you're just going to raise your arms in line with your shoulder so they're level with your shoulder. So that's one rep. Then you're going to lower them back down. Then you're going to put your hands to the side and you're going to raise those hands up in a side lateral raise as if you're in like a T pose. You're going to bring those up with the dumbbell in your hand. That's your second rep. Then you're going to lower them down. Then you're going to bend over slightly and imagine that you're, you bend your arms to 90 degrees and you're just going to rotate your hands out to the sides and squeeze your shoulder blades together. So you're bent over and imagine you're squeezing your shoulders together, almost like you're, you're a kite. You're holding the inner of a kite and you're going to jump off a cliff and then squeeze them back down. That is going to class as one rep. So you're going to do... Front raise, side raise, bend over, and then squeeze your shoulders together and back down. That is one rep, one of each. And then you're going to build, and you're going to go all the way up to 10. So then you're going to go two front raises, two side lats, two short delt squeezes, and then you're going to do three of each, then four of each, then five of each, and see how far you can get before you have to take a break. Now, I'm not saying rush your way through these, but what I am saying is you can do this one of two ways. You can start on 10 reps and work your way down, but the first challenge is going to be start on one single rep as a circuit and then work your way up. But what this is going to do is going to build all those little muscles, the little movement muscles in your shoulder, in your shoulder socket, in your rear delt, um, etc etc it's all gonna build some strength and endurance those little muscles that don't get a lot of attention 
It's going to bulletproof those shoulders for playing golf, daily life, whatever it may be. Go through that a couple of times a week, three times a week maybe, if you feel your shoulders are really weak. You go one to ten reps and then go ten to one reps. If you do it twice a week, it should be more than enough. But starting at a single rep and working your way up to 10 is very taxing. Starting at 10 reps where you're nice and fresh and working your way down is still going to be taxing, but at least you know the workload's going to get less. But this is going to build some strength and muscular endurance in those shoulders to help bulletproof them in daily life, let alone just for playing golf. So that is my fitness tip for this week. Let's get into the news. Um, and I'm going to say this with a heavy, I say a heavy heart. I don't really care. Um, I mentioned last week that Tiger was back. And Tiger was back. For precisely six, uh, 26 holes. <laughs> um, following on from... I can't decide whether it's a good thing or a bad, disastrous launch of the Sunday Red. Uh, and we all know Tiger's associated with that, that red Nike top, black cap, black trousers, that Sunday Red he used to wear all the time when he was at Nike. Nike have decided, weirdly enough, that the Tiger Woods logo is theirs, that the whole Nike effort in golf is done. They pulled out the equipment game over a dozen years ago, and now they're almost on the brink of pulling out of golf altogether. They've got some smaller sponsors, and I know they've sponsored Brooke Kepka's team on Live. But Nike as a golf brand is kind of dead. I know there are a lot of people that have gone to smaller brands such as Woodworm or Druids or things like that, people like that, because they feel like they're getting a better bargain. They're, they're doing sales of 100 quid. You get four polo shirts and a pair of trousers and maybe a pair of shoes or a couple of gloves. They feel the value is in the package bundles rather than in buying, you know, 50 and 60 pound polo shirts from Nike or 80 or 100 pound trousers from Nike. Um, and I've got to admit, in this economic climate, I don't blame people. And I think Nike who spent billions trying to make it in the equipment world, have also spent billions trying to push not only Tiger's brand, but trying to push themselves into golf uh, and put themselves up alongside the likes of Footjoy and Adidas, uh, who've got a, a long standing in the game. And now Nike have pulled out. Tiger has said he's done with that logo. And I kind of get it. He probably couldn't get that logo from Nike. They wouldn't negotiate. He's took their half a billion dollars after, what, 17 years, 17, 18 years or whatever it was. He's done. He doesn't care. He's, he, you know, he's, he's a billionaire. Why should he care? Um, but the thing I want to talk about, that disastrous Sunday Red and that logo, some people have said it looks like the, the Greg Norman shark logo. They've turned it into some kind of weird tiger that has 15 stripes representing his 15 major championships. It's had a lot of flack. I'm not, I'm not saying that the, the quality isn't there in the clothing, uh, but the cost and the kind of wish.com logo 
hasn't gone down too well. Um, and I think TaylorMade will make money. I think they do. They promote it quite well. You know, TaylorMade are making these clothes for Tiger. I think he'll do well on that side. But the biggest concern for me is, I've spoken about this before on this very podcast, is that Tiger last year took $12 million, second place on the Players' uh, Influence Programme, whatever that is. Something to do with players that have shown a, a great influence on golf. Now, Tiger Woods last year played five and a half rounds of golf, maybe seven and a half if you include the PNC. So he played less than eight rounds of golf in 12 months and got given $12 million for influencing the world of golf. Who in the hell plays eight rounds of golf and influences it that well? Nobody. Brooks Kepka maybe. Kepka played what 16 rounds on the PGA Tour that's the four majors and one nearly won two majors last year that's impressive but he's not welcome to that money because he's not on the PGA Tour John Ram quit he was about fifth on the list and that guy won what five six maybe seven events last year Ryder Cup I know he won four of the first five he won a major in the Masters so him Leaving, I'm not surprised. So the big question is, does Tiger just quit? I know this is a hard thing to say, but I missed his entire career. I've said this before. I seen Faldo put the green jacket on in 97. I quit playing in 99, came back to it in 2019. I missed his entire career. So I picked up where he won a Masters in 97, and where he won a Masters in 99, uh, 2019. I kind of bookended his career with the Masters. I know of Tiger, I know of his records, I know how good he was. But his injuries and his current state of play, is he just kind of ruining his legacy now? We heard recently um, Jack said he can't play golf anymore. He just can't do it. He loses more balls than he than he hits, you know, and he kind of hates playing golf now because he just physically can't do it. Um, is Tiger at that? I know he doesn't want to admit it, and I think on a good day, he's a world beater. But on a normal day, he's really struggling to get round. He's two years away from the senior tour, is he just trying to creep over the line by saying he'll play the four majors and maybe a couple of events? But if he's just going to keep pulling out of it, yes, he's a draw for these events and he hosts Genesis, etc., etc. But is it just time for Tiger to hang up those shoes, whatever's on them, and say enough is enough, I'm done? Uh, he doesn't need the money. He can do a lot more... I think from a position of maybe even taking over from Monaghan at the PGA Tour. I think Tiger has that ability. He's become a spokesperson for the tour over the last four or five years. And I think him running the tour, being a former player, would be a better position for Tiger 
than his current state of play. That's all I'm saying. I don't think he wants to continue like this. And as a fan of golf, I don't want to see him continue like this because for me, it's just ruining his legacy in the game. Second that, Jordan Spieth at the Genesis was disqualified for the first time in 263 events in his professional career because he signed for the wrong score. So the par three fourth, he put it over the back, chipped it up, two putted for a four and signed for a three, which means that he signed for an incorrect score and was disqualified from the tournament. Um, some people said it was harsh, but at the end of the day, rules are rules. Um, and I personally, as a handicap secretary at a golf club, have seen some utterly bamboozling scorecards uh, that make no sense whatsoever. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later down the line. But at the end of the day, and as I said to the players at, at my particular club, you can't just turn up, put your name down, put any numbers you want, no score, no date, and not sign it. And you can't just put your scores on and get someone else to sign it because that doesn't work either. The idea of a scorecard is, is that you have a card, they have a card, or, the, or in terms of our club, you have a four-player card. We have one marker, designated marker score. Normally, it's the first person, so A, B, uh, A, B, C, and D. Normally, player A is the marker. That player A is collating the scores for the four players on that card. Their score goes in column A and in the marker score, and all four players sign it. And, the, and even when those cards aren't available, we try to say, well, look, put both names on the, the single-player cards because most of our comps are nine holes. There's enough room to put both players' scores, both of your names, and the competition and date on the back. Sign it on the back. Done. Because what you're doing is one of you is, is collating those scores, and you are signing to say, yes, John scored a six, and John is signing to say that I, Mike, scored a five on hole one, and so on and so forth through nine or 18 or 72 holes, whatever your competitions are run over. And this is something that I couldn't get through enough. We had a, uh, a gentleman who played on a Friday and only put his scores down and someone else signed the card. Well, he had no marker score, so they weren't collating his their scores. Rightly or wrongly, um, they were saying, well, you know, he still deserves the trophy. No, he doesn't, because the scorecard is filled in incorrectly. We don't have a marker score. We don't even have, didn't even have a marker's name, I don't think, either. So, you know, Jordan Spieth getting disqualified. I'm sure he won't do that again. I'm sure he'll make sure that that doesn't happen again in terms of scoring his card. But it is important when you're out there, make sure that you're filling your scorecards out correctly. Because however wrong or unjustified you think that is, the fact is that someone, such as the handicap secretary and the entire board at your golf club, have to make that tough decision to go, well, 
I know you, you know me. I actually disqualified myself from two events last year because I failed to sign the entry sheet and I'd failed to sign my scorecard. And I did that myself. I disqualified myself from the events, which would have meant I probably would have defended my summer league. Um, so I know the pain of doing this. And the summer league compared to individual events, I think, is about consistency. And I was the most consistent player yet again, but finished second because I had to give up two scores. If I hadn't given up those two scores, I would have won um, for the second year running. But first and second, and I finished third or fourth the year before. So I haven't been outside the top four since I joined the golf club. So I know the pain of, of not filling out a scorecard. So yeah, Jordan Spieth owned up to it. And I think everybody who plays golf, whether you're 12 or 25 or 75, if you don't know what needs to go on your scorecard or how to fill a scorecard out by now, learn, ask. Our club has more than one scorecard of how they should be look and how it should be filled out. Um, and it's emailed to every member before the start of a season. So, and I'm sure Jordan knows that as well. And signing for an incorrect score or an incorrect scorecard is a disqualifiable offence. So, yeah, tough on Jordan. But, yeah, I'll get into uh, scorecards a little bit later on. Third and final piece that caught my eye was again waste management, um, the fallout from it. Uh, this year, there were 54 arrests made compared to 18 the year before. There was 211 people just ejected from the event. Um, so that's not including the arrests. So that's nearly 300 people, uh, 265 people were arrested or ejected from the event. And there was also 73 people um, ejected or arrested for trespassing. So nearly 300 fans were thrown out of the event. Um, the talk of, on a Saturday morning, they banned drinking at 11 a.m. By 11 a.m., they'd already stopped selling alcohol around 16. Uh, we already saw that there was a guy doing a, a sand angel in the bunker at 16. I think on the Friday, someone fell off one of those 300 balconies around 16 drunk. Um, and we've probably all seen on Twitter and Instagram the videos of the, of the drunk men being held up by either buddies or their wives, very embarrassingly, that are just hammered. They don't even know where they are, let alone whether they're at a golf tournament. Um, and, of course, the fallout as well from... Zach Johnson, who had a, had a tough job and a tough Ryder Cup, whatever went on behind the scenes, I'm sure we'll find out eventually um, the, the full story from that Ryder Cup, but it'll be a few years before we do. Uh, but Zach Johnson was getting some stick from some fans um, and eventually turned around and had a go at them. Billy Horschel was in that group as well. And Billy Horschel uh, did say, you know, he's trying to take a golf shot. It's his damn job, so leave him alone. Um, and then you've got the likes of Zach Johnson also saying it's it's highly unlikely he will ever play 
the, the Phoenix Open again. 17 years he's been going to that event. Um, and he said it's highly unlikely he'll go back because of the abuse he took uh, and the fact the disrespect that the fans took with him. Whether that had something to do with the Ryder Cup or not, I don't know. Or it was just fans just there just for the, the shits and giggles that didn't really make anybody giggle. Um, so what are your thoughts on those? You know, should Tiger just give it up now? He's two years away from the senior tour where he can use a cart to get round. Uh, just play the majors maybe if he's still capable. I don't think he's capable of playing golf. I think he's capable of playing golf, but I don't think he's capable of playing 72 holes. I think he's capable of playing maybe two rounds. I think Liv might, might suit him better. Uh, <laughs> stupid as that may sound. <clears throat> John Spieth getting disqualified. Fair or not, I think it's definitely fair. And what do you make of waste management? Should the waste manager just ban alcohol? Should that stadium that they've erected round 16 be made smaller um, so they can just control the crowd a little bit more? I mean, I know they said they'd locked car parks off and stopped entry on two or three of the days before dinner time, which is just mad. So that is the news for this week. A um, little bit of uh, news from me. Blog post is out. Um, I've done a, a little a mini dive into the explanation of muscular strength and endurance training. So people come to me and say, oh, I want to get fitter. Fitter as in, do you want to be cardiovascular fit? Do you want to look aesthetic? Do you want to? build some muscular endurance or do you want to build some some strength and they go yeah so what i've done the people who are starting your tr your training journey starting a little bit late in the year i've done a little mini dive into the explanation of muscular strength and endurance training so whether you're going to train for longevity or whether you're going to train to just build to pick heavy stuff up and the way i kind of describe it in some senses is do you want to be able to play 36 holes a day or do you want to be able to hit the ball 300 yards? Because those two types of training are very different. Um, you know, muscular endurance is playing the 36 holes a day and the strength is having the speed and the power to hit a ball 300 yards. But you might not get around 18 holes. You know, if you talk about that in golf performance-wise, so I have done on the blog at felsafitness.weebly.com. Go and take a look at the blog. Link is also in the description. Uh, go and educate yourselves a little bit, and uh, you're welcome. Also in the link in the description is a link to bulk powders. It is my refer me code. So if you want up to 45% off your first order, minimum order of £45. You can take 45% off your first order with bulk. Link is also in the description of this podcast. You're welcome. Bulk do some great protein powders, some BCAAs. They do some great recovery tools and clothing for the gym if you do need any. Some great tools as well. Uh, food and protein products and snacks so golfers if you're listening to this 
you can buy some wonderful snacks from bulk to put in your golf bag to help you get round your 18 holes so you don't feel like crap come 12 and the last six holes where you're two under you shoot seven over you're five over par and you hit your handicap so yeah go have a look at bulk they are do some fantastic deals and you're 45% off your first order link is in the description below so let's talk tip of the week, uh, and you probably guessed where I'm going with this. Tip of the week is going to be about your scorecards. It's something that I do regularly, something that I remind people of as the handicap secretary of a golf club, uh, as a member of a committee at a golf club. I even committee members this year, more than one, um, myself included, have been disqualified from tournaments at the golf club because we've either not signed the entry sheet, we've not signed the golf scorecard, or we've not filled scorecards incorrectly. Um, so yeah, there are lessons to be learned from Jordan Spieth. Um, and this is just a little tip from me to you out in the world, and this will stop you from A, losing your competition scores, B, potentially losing a competition, and C, going well, why do I bother? Because at the end of the day, the golf clubs out there across the world spend a lot of time scheduling the events, uh, making sure, you know, greenkeepers make sure the course is ready, make sure the correct tees are out, make sure, you know, tee sheets and tee times are available for you to play those events. Um, they spend the time to set the cards up, to set the sign-in sheet, whatever, blah, 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 blah. That whole schedule is done by a small group of people, especially at our golf club. There's like half a dozen people who are responsible for all of that in total. That's setting the course up, putting the tees out, making sure the sheets are ready, making sure the scores are entered, making sure the scorecards are entered correctly and filled incorrectly, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's, it's a very small group of people at your golf club doing all of this work behind the scenes for you to turn up on a Saturday or a Sunday morning to not even be bothered to fill a scorecard out correctly. And all we ask of you is about five things. Uh, and the five things are the following. Uh, most clubs will want you to have the date on your scorecard of when you played that round. The second thing will be the time that you played your round. The third thing will be the name of the competition you're actually entering. So that's quite easy, isn't it? You know what day you played, you know what time you teed off, and you're saying, this is the competition I've entered. There's three things. The fourth thing is making sure that you and your players, so the marker's name and the player's names are all in that scorecard, and it is signed. So player A is maybe me, Player B is my wife. Player C is my son. So all three players' names are on there. And player A, asterisk and asterisk, is, is also the marker. So I am the marker and I am also playing. So my score will get put in column A and the marker's score. And I'm making sure that their scores are also entered correctly. And at the end of that round, we're all signing to say that we have scored those scores. So scorecard is signed and our names are on and the marker is marked. Wonderful, that's the fourth thing. And the fifth thing is the entry sheet. If there is an entry sheet, I mean, sometimes it can be digital, but if there is an entry sheet, 
please sign it. That's it. Those are the five things pretty much every golf club wants you to do. Your names, your name and your players' names. The sheet is also signed by those players at the end of the round. The date, the time, and the competition you have entered. Simple. You don't even now, under Golf England rules, you don't even need to put your handicaps on or even know how many bloody shots you need. The amount of times I get asked midway through working as a greenkeeper, how many shots have I got? I don't know. What are you playing off? I t you know what I mean? It's You might be playing off 18, but obviously there's a 10% reduction because you're entering a competition and you play off 95% of that. So in essentially, there's a 15% reduction. So if you're playing off if you're playing off 20, you're playing off about 17. If you're playing off 18, you're probably playing off about 15. But I'm not guaranteeing that because depending on course conditions and weather conditions, etc., etc., those things can fluctuate by a shot, maybe two, depending on what course you play on. So all you need to do is enter your scores per hole. Maybe your total, you don't even need to totally score up at the bottom. Whoever deals with your hand, your cards, i.e. your handicap secretary or competition secretary, they will do that for you at the end of the round. Just make sure you've signed your card, your name is on it, your scores are entered, you've signed the score sheet, the date and the competition that you've entered match the sheet that you've signed. Simple. And that is your tip for the week. It's so easy, that's as, as dumb as it's going to get. But believe me, by the time I roll round in, I'm going to say nine months' time, I'm going to have said this probably at least another three times. Just to remind people in the world to fill these scorecards out because I've had an incident with someone not signing it, someone not putting the date on, someone putting the wrong competition on, someone not even signing the entry sheet. Bloody, bloody, blah. blah, blah. It's a stupid thing. You know, most golf clubs ask you to do five things and five things alone. And it's the least you can do for that handful of people who work toilessly, you know, sun up to sundown to keep the golf course in pristine, in good enough playing condition and deliver your results for your competitions for you. That easy. And that's pretty much it. I hope I haven't waffled on. I think I definitely have waffled on, especially about Tiger. Um, what are your thoughts? Should Tiger jack it in? What do you make of the Sunday red? Ooh, I don't know. You know, should Jordan have been disqualified? Answer, from my point of view, is definitely yes. And do you think waste management should be scaling down the T at 16 and maybe scaling down the access and alcohol on course. Let me know at felsafefitnesshotmail.com. Uh, I did have an email from last week um, when I talked about uh, Tommy Fleetwood going to live. Um, and apparently, he was only out in Vegas to watch the Super Bowl. He just went to the live event because he wasn't playing on the PG or DP World Tour that week. Um, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll buy that. I know. I think Tommy's happy on the DP World Tour uh, and the PGA Tour. I think he's he said in the Rick Shields interview a couple of weeks ago on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, go take a listen. It's interesting. Obviously, he's got his academy out in Dubai. He lives out in Dubai now. Um, 
he has some goals he wants to get done, and I think hopefully he can get at least one of those this year. Uh, and whether he gets that goal and moves to live, I'm not too sure. I think I think he would if he got the opportunity. But again, he'd be a big blow when it comes down to um, the European side at the Ryder Cup. Um, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a lot to to discuss on that. Uh, but yeah, him being in Vegas was purely coincidental, maybe. Maybe not. Uh, time will tell. I, I think if Tommy does get a major this year, um, I think this time next year we might be. I might be looking back on the, on this response of he was just there to have a little chin wag and a bloody blah and watch the Super Bowl. But yeah, we shall see. This time next year, if he does win a major, he may just go to live and retire quite happy with a lot of money in his pocket, and I wouldn't blame him. You know, he's a great guy. He's he's done his service to the, to the European Ryder Cup team and uh, both PGA and DP World Tour. But yeah, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget three for two on all personal training, golf performance, and nutrition and weight management sessions. Um, PGA go to Mexico, DP World Tour in Kenya, uh, Kenya. LPGA are in Thailand for the Honda LPGA Thailand. Uh, LET are in Morocco. No live this week there, uh, not till March for them. Go take a look at your shoulders. Do that exercise. You will definitely see the benefits. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tiger and his new apparel? And what are your thoughts on the waste management? Do you think it needs to change? And of course, Fill your scorecards incorrectly, people, because not only that, just handicaps as well can be very difficult to understand. Um, if you've got no marker for your handicap scores, those handicap scores just won't get put in. Simple. Enjoy your week. Uh, hopefully this sunshine that I'm currently seeing peeking through my blinds on this Sunday morning, early, uh, uh, well, no, afternoon as it's 10 past 12, will continue for the rest of the week. Like, subscribe, and share. Go visit the blog, and don't forget, use that Bulk Powders link for 45% off your first order. Have a great week, and I'll see you in seven days. Bye-bye.